welcome to Ethical Quandaries. Today we are continuing part two of what's a good Jewish girl from Brooklyn doing in a place like this, where we talk to Paula about ethics in Judaism. If you haven't listened to part one, I would suggest starting there and then listening to this one. So um, I just want to bring up the concept of free will. Okay. Yeah. Let's do Is it. that okay? Oh, absolutely. Like, did you have a question? Do you see how excited she is? <laughs> I know. I just, it's always a good topic. So yeah. there's a concept in Judaism of free will mm-hmm. I think you might find interesting. So you have Yetzer HaTov, which is the good side of you, mm-hmm. and Yetzer HaRa, which is the bad side of you. And you are pulled on both sides. Mm-hmm. And your role is to choose the right way. Mm-hmm. But you are given free will. God gives you free will. And all the religions believe in free will. Mm-hmm. I mean, all the sects of oh, Judaism, as yeah. far as I know, mm-hmm. at least the three that I've been involved in, Orthodox, Conservative, and Reform. <laughs> they all believe in free will. <laughs> I believe they all believe in free will. So, so if you do something really bad, you are following the bad side mm-hmm. of you. And if you do something really good you are following the good side of you and everybody has that freedom Mm -hmm. it's actually known as free will and it's a concept in judaism Mm -hmm. that allows you to live your life according to what you believe and there are bad people out there who do bad things Mm -hmm. and follow their bad side yetzahara Mm -hmm. you know and they may get written in the book of death on Yom Kippur, mm-hmm. you know, on Yom Kippur or Yom Kippur, depending on if you say it in Hebrew or Yiddish. But um, <laughs> what does that mean to be written in the book? So, of death? Uh, you know, the week before Yom Kippur, uh, you apologize to people mm-hmm. that you feel right. you have, which was a great concept for my little children. <laughs> Did you say something to anybody that might have hurt their feelings? You need to say you're sorry. <laughs> They love that. And then, <laughs> and then on the day, because uh, I introduced that to right, them. Yeah. I, th- I think it's an important concept. It is an important con- concept, concept yeah, to, to apologize. To apologize, to say, I did something wrong. Yeah. Right, and, and to have a reason. Yes. Besides just because you did something wrong, you need to apologize. But here it is, Yom Kippur, mm-hmm. and it's an important time in, right, yeah. in, the, in the world. So on Yom Kippur, you apologize to God for doing something he would consider wrong. And you are written in the Book of Life or the Book of Death on Yom Kippur. The Orthodox believe this. I don't think that the Reform believe this. That, And if you've done something really bad, you could be written in the Book of Death. And you will die mm-hmm. in that following year. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's the concept. That That's what we were mm-hmm. taught in Orthodox Yeshiva about free will and Yetzirahara, and Yetzir HaTov, mm-hmm. and Yom Kippur, and that's when you really need to atone for your sins okay. mm-hmm. and believe in what you're saying, you know. So in that way, you wouldn't do things all year knowing that you could apologize for No, them. you don't mm-hmm. get cleared. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not if it's really bad. There's no clearing. <laughs> and if you apologize to somebody that you've wronged, they don't have to forgive you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's no guarantee right. that you've been forgiven, but you have done you what you to could yeah. to mm-hmm. ask forgiveness. Exactly. So you talked about mitzvahs and then you talked about an idea of doing good in the world and actions are those things considered the same or different and then there's also this idea of healing the world 
Right. And what is that? There is bringing good to the Mm -hmm. world or healing the world. That's part of the mitzvahs. Okay. And so doing the mitzvahs would be bringing good to the world? Well, eventually. So I used to be a hospice volunteer. Uh And... Yossi, Rabbi Greenberg, was sending somebody down. He used to send students down to meet with us. Mm-hmm. And it's always before the Jewish holidays, Yom Kippur, or the Jewish New Year. It's mm-hmm. first Jewish New Year, Rosh Hashanah, and then Yom Kippur. He would always send students down to talk to us about getting closer to Judaism or whatever. And he was sending somebody down during the week. And my hospice patient was not doing well and was close to death. So I called him. And because I was the leader of the congregation, and I said, the people will be there to meet with your student, but I will not be able to be there. And I said to him, because I have a hospice patient that's near death, and I just want to be there with him. And he didn't know what that meant, what hospice was. I asked him, do you know what, because he's Mm. originally from Russia. Uh And I said, do you know what hospice means? And he said, no. And I said, well, you help someone who is dying and you help the family of someone who is dying in whatever ways they need Mm -hmm. and he immediately said oh that's a very very big mitzvah Uh very very big mitzvah Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. he kept going on oh that's a very very big mitzvah (laughs) 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 and i had never thought of it that way Uh but before cholim is a mitzvah so Bihor cholim in Hebrew means to to heal the ill, heal mm. the sick. Mm-hmm. But I really wasn't healing right. anybody, but I was caring for, for somebody yeah. and helping them. I was actually helping them die, but and he understood that concept. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a very very big mitzvah, <laughs> <laughs> and I will never forget him saying that. I said, oh. <laughs> he says, oh, yeah, you have to do it. You have to do it, and and he'll come down and meet with everybody else, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what happened. Okay. So. Because he wants more mitzvahs in the world. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, it never occurred to me that that's what I was doing, <laughs> mm-hmm. but that's what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So it's written that the Jewish people are a light unto the nations mm-hmm. in scripture. And that doesn't mean that they're chosen to dominate other people, but what it means in Jewish concept is that the Jewish moral code is setting a standard for other people. So when Judaism first was created, I Mm -hmm. guess, there wasn't much of a moral code out there. Mm -hmm. And so Judaism has a moral code right? Mm -hmm. with the Ten Commandments and Mm -hmm. everything else that was brought out as a light unto the nations. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and Christians believe that too, actually. Right, right. right. Christians, believe Christians that believe Judaism, that Judaism was that. Yeah. A, that the, brought that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And the like the Ten Commandments and the scripture and all that, that they were chosen to like be or at an least example. That's how we were raised. Yeah. Even Us, I was yeah. I was raised. That, I can't say all Christians maybe. That, because I think that, that there are some yeah, that that are crazy, crazy <laughs> people out there. But Obviously. I was I was raised that Judaism was the original original moral, moral code, code and that they were the light and that they're chosen and that to be basically the holy the, the holy people that you look at and say okay that's the moral mm-hmm. code that you live by right yes yeah. and so we that's exactly what yeah. we believe uh-huh. okay so it's very similar um, yeah yeah we just believe that then we got more information but uh, then you know the mormons believe that they then got some more information <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
think we'd go on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But we and have... that we're wrong and you're right, you're right? right. Well, <laughs> well, not you specifically. Oh, yeah, but, but yeah, like but, in, in but the general, I think, yeah. I think in the general sense too, but I think in the general sense Christians overall as a whole are not worried about Jewish people. They believe that they're, what you're doing is, is correct. It, is correct. And, and like honoring your religion is correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Correct. But like... They, it's but, correct. But then, you know, for Gentiles, then we have another like yeah way i mean christians do for jesus was for basically gentiles and for the whole world and 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 jews can believe in jesus as well that's that's i think that that's the 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 thought process of christians is that jews will eventually then believe in that jesus was the messiah that came so what's the concept of jews so years ago many years ago my brother was living in israel Mm -hmm. and a woman that i knew came to the house and asked me when i was moving to israel and I said, I am not moving mm-hmm. to Israel. And they said, oh, yeah, you have to. Because all the <laughs> Jews have to. Your brother's there. You should go back. You should go there. There's this idea, yeah. And that's a, a weird little story. I didn't know anything so about I that. I think there's, there's, they there's, look at it that the more certain things have to happen for, for the, the Messiah for the, for, or Jesus, the, for Jesus to, to come, come back, back again. And to end it all. so like, one of them is, I think, and I don't know exactly where they got this idea because I can't find it in scripture, but that the Jews would have to return to Israel. Right. But yeah. I don't. She came to my house and told me I had to go. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't, that is not, I don't think, a standard belief for most people. Okay. But yes, yeah, um, <laughs> I think that's a, I that's a very that. small. <laughs> Christians do look at what. Jews are doing because of certain signs, prophecies, prophecies, but there's so much interpretation with prophecies that just a huge expanse from the point where it's all already happened. Like, and being a Christian, like everything's already happened. That's in the Bible. Like everything's already occurred to it's all in the future. (laughs) And like, it's all like, and there's just a huge variety in in them. I don't understand the concept of everything's already happened. So like, so what they say is, so like in like revelations, they say things like very, it's very esoteric and like imagery and all that and they say you know the mark of the beast will come and this this babylon will rise and that antichrist will rise well a lot of people think that antichrist was nero like it's already happened this guy was predicting stuff that was happening right then i see Mm -hmm. and he and so like john the john was like a disciple who was alive in that day he was writing about stuff that was happening now okay and but now there are people who now who are looking for the antichrist and the future and they're saying, or, or, that or it's coming, right now, or that or, it's now, you know, and I've so, heard people. And there's a, just a variety in the middle of that. People so. will, will pull out anyone who they think is evil and say he it's is the, the Antichrist. Pope. It's right Trump. Now, I've heard it's, that. I was it's, just going to say. It's the Pope. It's it, Trump. It's Hitler. Hitler. It's, yeah. Yeah. All sorts of. It's you know, Stalin. Yeah. They just, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, yeah. it, it's all interpretation. Mm-hmm. So it's, But yeah, and, and nobody like kind of. Of course, you're not gonna know. Yeah, yeah. But one of those things is probably you know where she was like thinking, if all the Jews go there, this will happen faster. Right. right. It's kind of like the mitzvah. Yeah. Yeah. One mitzvah at a time. Yeah. More people. I understand that. The more that that this prophecies that I believe I'm and and completely I'm interpreting myself apparently (laughs) happen because we can't find where that is in there. But I'm sure she could tell us where it was. Yeah, I don't know where she got Um, it. So is there anything else that you think is important for us to I, know? I just want to mention some stories that we were told as children, okay. ethical mm-hmm. yes. things mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. our grandparents told us. I don't think they did it with the purpose of teaching us ethics, 
but it's just explaining their behavior. And because of that, it affected us. My father's father, who was a cantor, Mm -hmm. died before we were born. My brother and I were born. So my grandmother was left with five children, and she started a, a catering hall. And two of her sons were cantors, so they performed well. Anyway, that's not the story. The story (laughs) is that my grandmother married my grandfather at 18, and he was from Hungary originally. And he was a very apparently friendly, overbearing kind of a man. Everybody I've spoken to who knew him always remembered. Oh, okay. Jack Schrader was his name. (laughs) Hazan, Hazan is the Hebrew word for cantor, mm-hmm. Hazan Trader. So he would, she said, especially on Friday nights for Sabbath, she had five kids and it was during the depression mm-hmm. and he would bring people home. Okay. He would just pick people up off the street and bring them home for dinner. <laughs> and sometimes they'd stay for weeks in her house. <laughs> and she said she never knew when Grandpa Jack was going to bring somebody home, and it used to drive her crazy. Mm -hmm. But in reality, he was doing a good deed, Mm -hmm. you know, because people were starving. Mm -hmm. And so she hated it. She always (laughs) talked about it. I never knew who was coming home. I never knew, because there was no phone service or Mm -hmm. anything like, you know, he would never let me know. He would just (laughs) walk in the door, here's Schlimo, (laughs) and he's staying for dinner, and then they'd put him up on the couch, and, you know, and and she would talk about how they were bums, just bums (laughs) that he'd pick up and bring home. But they were all Jews, you know, Mm -hmm. the environment that they Mm -hmm. that they lived in was all Jews. And my grandmother came from Poland and my grandfather came from Poland. They met in New York. My grandmother came when she was 17 years old on the ship in steerage by herself. Mm -hmm. And she had two sisters here and an aunt. And the aunt, this was before World War One, the aunt sponsored the three girls. Mm -hmm. And she went to work in the garment district where she met my grandfather who also worked in the garment district. And they got married and had three daughters and raised a family in Brooklyn. So my grandmother had cataracts and this was by the time I knew her. So she was older, probably younger than I am now. But to me, she was older. She had cataracts in both eyes and she had really thick glasses. That was before laser surgery, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and probably in the late 50s, early 60s. And she had to walk 10 blocks to the shopping area, and there was no shopping center. It was just a butcher and a fruit store and an appetizing store and all these stores. Mm -hmm. And once a week, Thursdays usually, she would walk the 10 blocks to the shopping area to buy her groceries for the Sabbath and for the week. Because they were kosher. We were all raised in kosher homes. Mm -hmm. And she would walk with her feet to the ground because she would say that the sidewalk was uneven and she fell Mm. if she didn't watch where she Mm -hmm. was going because her balance was not great. So she would walk with her eyes to the ground and she would say, I would see something shiny there in the corner and I'd bend down and it was a quarter or a nickel Mm -hmm. or a dime or a penny. And she had a special change purse that she put the money that she found on the street in. And then about once a year or so, she she said, I can't spend that money because it's not mine. Mm -hmm. So she would count up all the money and send a check out to charity. Oh, And then by some amazing occurrence, she would then give all of her grandchildren, there were seven grandchildren, an envelope 
with the same exact amount of quarters in it. So we would all get quarters in this envelope, $6 or $7 or whatever it was. And she would say it came from the money. All those quarters came from the money I picked up on the street, which of course, she didn't just pick up quarters, <laughs> but she gave it to us uh-huh. because she couldn't spend it because <laughs> it wasn't hers. Yeah. So I love those two stories. Yeah, that's really that's nice. awesome. Do you want to hear the story about the elephants I in the do. circus? You asked me specifically. I did. <laughs> that's an excellent story. I love that story. During Passover, there is a portion of the service, it's called a Seder, where a piece of... We don't eat bread during Passover. We eat matzah, which is a cracker, unleavened bread. And a portion of the matzah is put away, and you cannot finish the meal without everybody having a little piece of this matzah. It's called the afikomen. Mm -hmm. So in our family, where I grew up, the children, I believe it's a means of keeping the children engaged Mm -hmm. because it can be a long Mm -hmm. evening because it's a service and then it's a meal and then it's a service again and there's lots of singing oh my gosh (laughs) especially in our family because everybody was a cantor and and we did everything in five-part harmony so everything was really great lots of singing so it could go quite late so in our family the children would hide the... So you'd put the afikoman between two pillows and my father would say, now this needs to be here by the end of the of the meal because we can't end a meal without the afikoman. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, of course, we would hide it. My brothers and I would hide it. And he could never find it at mm-hmm. the end of the meal. <laughs> no matter where we hid it, he could never find it. And, okay, you got to give it to me. I'm going to take you to the circus. It just so happened that every year during Passover... Oh, so he'd bribe, basically bribe you. You have to, to give, give it, it okay. to get the it. Yeah. <laughs> every year, Barnum and Bailey Circus would come to Madison Square Garden in the city, in New York City, and, and it would be there during Passover for some reason. And every year, in order for us to finish the Seder, we would have to give him the afikomen, and in exchange for the afikomen, he would take the three of us to the circus. Oh. <laughs> that was the prize. But it was Passover, so we couldn't eat anything. We couldn't buy, well, first of all, we were kosher, mm-hmm. so we couldn't really buy anything there anyway, yeah. but we couldn't certainly buy bread or anything. So my mother would pack peanut butter sandwiches made out of matzah, mm-hmm. and she would give us bags of just plain matzah, to snack on and we would go to the circus and there was this big arena full of elephants and people would buy peanuts Mm -hmm. from the circus and feed it to the elephants well my father would not buy peanuts there's nothing wrong with peanuts (laughs) as far as I remember there are certain nuts that aren't kosher for Passover I don't remember if peanuts are aren't but they weren't marked kosher you don't buy anything that isn't marked Mm -hmm. kosher for Passover so we would break up the matzah and feed it to the elephants. And all the elephants would leave the people who were feeding them peanuts and come to us for the matzah. (laughs) And my father would say they were Jewish elephants. (laughs) And that's a true story. I love that story. It has nothing to do with ethics. I don't know. You gave him a nice variety there. So yes, I think it was because it was different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So, do you have an ethical product you'd like to give a shout out to? So, I go to garage sales mm-hmm. and secondhand stores and consignment stores. Mm-hmm. 
and I buy quite a few things, probably more than I should at these things. <laughs> and I think that that's ethical. It's a recycling right. of things that people don't need anymore. Often for my grandchildren, if they need clothes or shoes, I don't wear secondhand shoes. I'm just not comfortable in them. But the children, they grow so quickly, mm-hmm. and somebody will need sneakers for gym or something, you know, I'll look, you know, my daughter will say, look for a size so-and-so <laughs> for sneakers for Bennett. And, and if Lily needs things in Seattle and we're going out to visit, I'll buy stuff for them. And I bought an amazing sweatshirt. I didn't know what it was when I bought it, but I paid $5 for it, and I got it home and I showed it to my... It was a Naka. Oh, oh a Nakatano. Yeah. <laughs> Those are <Very> nice. <laughs> and, and now I see them on sale at the buy, sell, trade online for like 60 and $70. Mm-hmm. I bought yeah, it. Yeah, and that's used, yeah. And yeah. it was a hooded sweatshirt with a zipper, which I like that kind. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And this woman sold it to me. for. I had no way. I tried it on. It was great. I bought it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're very expensive. $5. But I agree. I think like secondhand mm-hmm. shopping for clothes is the most ethical actually mm-hmm. yeah yeah and secondhand uh, you know if you do it from garage sales i do very well at garage sales and every year we have a garage sale mm-hmm. a large garage sale with my son-in-law's family she, they live in garage sale central in mm-hmm. soldatna mm-hmm. it's a great area and we do it at her house and there's probably six or seven families involved mm-hmm. selling stuff yeah So yeah, if you don't need anything, it's a great way to recycle it to somebody else. And then at the end of the sale, whatever's left over, Alana's mother-in-law belongs to a church that has a garage sale every fall. Mm -hmm. And so everything goes goes right to the church and is sold at the garage sale of the church. (laughs) So I think it's a really good way to recycle things that you don't need anymore or don't want anymore. (laughs) <laughs> well, thank you for joining us today, Paula. We really yes, appreciate thank you it. for coming. <laughs> so, thank you for joining us here at Ethical Quandaries, a podcast where we have a lot of questions. But no answers. And, and we're, we're judging, judging you anyway. Technical support and photography by Ted Consultation by Mid Toker. Production music by EpidemicSound.com. Editing by me, Jessica Veldstrom. If you have an ethical quandary or a comment, you can email us at and check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Remember, if you enjoy the show, please rate, review, and subscribe. And support our work at patreon.com. 